Let's open Holy Scripture this morning to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 25, uh, page 83 in the Pew Bible, page 83. We'll be focusing on the, the last of the temple furnishings. You might recall over the last number of Lord's Supper celebrations, we've been dealing with the the gospel presented in the tabernacle furnishings. We've been making our way from the outer court, the bronze altar, the bronze laver or basin. Then we were in the holy place uh, with its furnishings. And now we come to the most holy place or the holy of holies. And the only furnishing in there is the ark. So we begin at Exodus 25 verse 10. The Lord is giving these commands to Moses they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and outside shall you overlay it, and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet two rings on the one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work shall you make them on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on the one end, and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces one to another, toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. The text for this morning's sermon comes from the verses we read in Exodus 25, particularly verse 22. As we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we'll see the connection between the ark and the gospel presented in the Lord's Supper. So Exodus 25, verse 22 God says, there I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. That's our text. In response to the preaching, we'll sing Psalm 23, all three stanzas about how the Lord prepares a place uh, for us with Himself in His eternal abode. 
church of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to go where few have ever gone before. All Israelites, as you will recall, they could come, they could approach the tabernacle, they could come within eyesight of the bronze altar and the wash basin in the courtyard of the tabernacle. But after the wash basin, all they could see was a curtain, and they couldn't go in there. Behind that first curtain, only the priests could go, and the Levites, they had to go in there, or they were commanded to go in there to tend to the bread of the presence. They had to trim the golden lampstand and offer incense on the small golden altar. But for the priests and the Levites, that was as far as they could go. Inside that holy place stood another curtain at the far end of the room, a very heavy, thick curtain, most holy, and that was a barrier. It kept everybody out of the room on the other side, everybody except Moses and the high priest. The room on the other side was the most holy place, the holy of holies. In the history of the world, only a few men ever went into that chamber. But this morning, brothers and sisters, we're all going in. As Christians, it is our special privilege to, as it were, part the curtain and enter where the Ark of the Covenant was kept to come directly and at last into the presence of the Lord God. And that'll be our focus this morning as I bring you this word of the Lord, the gospel of the Ark of the Covenant. That's our basic theme, the gospel, the good news of the Ark of the Covenant. We'll see that it is, involves an unexpected place to meet and an overwhelming place of grace. Now, before we speak about the Ark itself, we should just have a sense of this chamber, this room in which it sits called, depending on your translation, either the most holy place or the holy of holies. This room was a perfect cube, ten cubits wide, ten cubits long, ten cubits high. On the walls hung curtains. There, there were wooden boards along all the walls, but on those walls hung curtains. These curtains were made of the finest linen blue and purple and scarlet linen woven together. And into the fabric of those curtains were woven certain images, particularly the image of the cherubim. Cherubim, you will know, are those angels who surround the presence of God day and night along with the seraphim. So it's a, it's a room that's chock full of symbolism, just like the rest of the tabernacle as we've been seeing. And the symbolism of the Holy of Holies is this, God lives here. God is in this room, this 10 by 10 by 10 room. 
This chamber with its perfect dimensions and its royal colors and its heavenly creatures, this is where God lives. It's symbolic of heaven on earth. And in the center of this room, you couldn't miss it if you went in there, in the center was this golden ark. The ark is the centerpiece because this is, by God's design, the special location, the place where God will meet, where God Himself dwells and then will meet with His people. The ark has a, a name given in our text or in our passage, the ark of the testimony. When you hear that word testimony, what does that make you think of? Maybe it makes you think of a court of law where you have to give testimony, and indeed it is a legal term. It's related to statutes and commandments and law. And then this word testimony with a capital T is a reference to the two tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments, which God would later give to Moses and command him to place inside the ark. The ark was a, a, cha a little chamber box, a rectangular box, and inside that box, inside the ark, was to go the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, what's the significance of them? Well, they are the summary of the covenant bond between God and His people. The Ten Commandments summarized God's commitment to them, right? He brings them out of Egypt. He, he will be their God and Savior. And it also summarized what the people's commitment was to God. Those commands were their obligation to the Lord. So, for that reason, the ark is called in many other places in the Bible the ark of the covenant. So, when you put all of this together, brothers and sisters, this, this special chamber, Holy of Holies, it's not just a place where the almighty and awe-inspiring Creator lives. It is that. But it's also the place where the covenant God lives, and He wants His people to meet Him there. That is the unexpected wonder mentioned particularly in our text, verse 22. There, says the Lord, I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. God is speaking here to Moses himself. Moses had the unique privilege of going into the Holy of Holies, sitting before the ark, and meeting with God as the representative of the covenant people. He was the mediator of that covenant. And as the mediator, the go-between, Moses would go there and meet with God face to face, as it were, and in Moses, the whole nation of Israel was represented. So when Moses came into the Holy of Holies, when Moses sat before the presence of God, Israelites were sitting there too. All the people were with him. Isn't that flabbergasting, beloved, when you, when you think about who God is and who the people are? 
I mean, how could a sinner like Moses, how could a sinful people like the Israelites dare to go behind that curtain, the first curtain, and then even the second curtain, and mingle with the holy angels in the presence of Almighty God? The gold and the colors and the angels represented to the eye the the Lord's holiness. This is our sinless God that they were coming into the presence of. And the holy demand of God's testimony of that covenant law inside the ark, it was always front and center in the eyes of God. That's why He put it in the ark, the law with its demands for obedience, the law with its curses for disobedience. How can people who are stained with disobedience enter in before the Lord. Like, humanly speaking, this doesn't make sense. You've got the ten words of the covenant written on stone with its insistent and unyielding obligations, but somehow Moses can come in there and the Israelites with him, being represented by him, with all their countless faults, with their many occasions of unbelief. On the one hand, you've got the Ten Commandments with its perfect standard acceptable to God. And on the other hand, you've got all the church coming in the door through Moses, in Moses. Every believer then and also every believer today. Also us, right? So weak, so imperfect, so stumbling in our efforts to follow the law of the Lord, so sinful. Can they really come in? Can we really go into the holy of holies. Does God want to meet with sinners like the Israelites here at His ark? Does God really, truly allow sinners into His presence without destroying them? Does the great I am who I am actually invite us into His presence face-to-face to fellowship with Him? And the answer of the gospel is yes. Yes, he does. Amazingly, he does. For although the demanding law is kept inside the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark is just as much filled with the good news, for on top of the Ark, of that box, there is a special lid. That lid is called in our text the mercy seat. Now, that might throw us off. It was not a chair, per se. It was not a seat, per se. But think of it as a lid, as a cover. Other Bible translations call it the atonement cover. That word atonement means to make peace. So you could call it the peace cover. That might be a better way to think of it. It's the peace cover. And was it ever special, beloved? God went out of His way to make the peace cover the special focus of the ark. Look what He does with the cherubim. He commands the two cherubim be formed of one solid piece with the cover. Now, the craftsmen among us will know far better than I um, how difficult that might be, how challenging that might be to make, to make a lid for a rectangular box and then to make two angels of one piece with the lid 
rising up over top of the lid. And then there's something else about those cherubim. We read in verse 20 that the two cherubim, they were placed on either end of the cover, and they were to overshadow that mercy seat, that atonement cover, with their wings. So, brothers and sisters, these cherubim, you see, they're all about that atonement cover. They've got a, a fixed interest in that atonement cover. They have a vested interest in it. We read further that the angels are they're facing each other, but they are actually looking down at the atonement cover. So, God wanted to represent this. Symbolically, the angels, they are giving their permanent attention to the atonement cover. They're not going to take their eyes off that cover because there they see something that is all the angels want to see. They see the miracle of miracles. They see overwhelming grace to remove sin from sinners. That's what keeps them focused. This cover, this mercy seat, is what makes meeting with God possible. He says specifically he would meet with his people above the cover. What is it about this cover, this lid? Well, it was on this lid of the ark that blood was sprinkled, you see, once per year by the high priest. On the Day of Atonement, he would bring in a container of blood taken from the sacrificed offering uh, out on the altar of burnt offering. He would take a, a, a jar or a container of blood that had blood offered for the sins of the nation as well as blood offered for himself and his family, and he would sprinkle that blood. First the blood of a bull, then the blood of a goat to atone for first the nation, then the sins of himself and his family and all God's people. That blood, what was it doing? That blood, that life that was offered, that animal life that was offered, it was to atone for the sin of the people by absorbing the wrath of God. The animal was consumed in the fire of God's wrath so that the people wouldn't have to be. So the, the death of that animal symbolically removed their people's offense before God. It made the people acceptable to Yahweh so that they could come before Him in peace. Can you see, brothers and sisters, how, how God arranged this? It, it's like a giant picture. There the Lord is making Himself available to His people above the ark. Inside of the ark is the law which makes clear His perfect standard. But because we sinners cannot keep that law, we should never be allowed any further into God's presence. In fact, by our guilt... And because we can't keep that law, we ought to be turfed out of the tabernacle. Even more, we should be by rights condemned to everlasting punishment because we are willing and guilty breakers of that spotless law. And just when we're wondering about our fate, then comes an unexpected flood of grace and mercy, for over top of that law there's a lid, a cover which testifies that our sins have been removed. The, uh, you have to understand that because blood was sprinkled on that cover year after year, there would have been a permanent stain of blood on that cover. The angels would be looking at that blood 
God would be looking at that blood which would make the sinner acceptable to the Lord. The Lord will meet with Moses. The Lord will meet with His people above the ark. The Lord will meet with you and me because of the blood, the blood that has been shed. Well, isn't that the very same grace, beloved, that we're going to celebrate here this morning in the Lord's Supper? Only it's, it's richer now, isn't it, and fuller. In the old covenant, Moses and the high priest, they were the only ones who could ever enter into God's immediate presence. Well, here at the Lord's Supper, all who profess faith in Christ, all of us may enter into the presence of God and sit at His table, so, so to speak. Previously, only the high priest could go in, only once per year. We may go into God's presence every day by prayer. And we may eat this meal with our Savior as often as we as congregation choose to do so. They could enter on the basis of the blood of bulls and goats, but we enter and sit in God's presence on the basis of Christ's blood, the perfect, precious, once-for-all shed blood of Jesus our Lord. They had to go behind the curtain into the presence of God, but at the death of Christ, that curtain was torn in two, and God came out to us in the Spirit of Christ. Every Sunday, brothers and sisters, when we assemble as congregation, just as we're doing now, we assemble as the temple of the Holy Spirit, says the New Testament. That means the presence of God is here with us. You are the Holy of Holies now. Because of Jesus, we are in the Holy of Holies. Those cherubim on the ark, they, they never stop looking at the blood. Well, brothers and sisters, don't you ever stop looking at the blood, the blood of Jesus. The sacrament this morning will show it again to our eyes. We'll get to taste it as well that, so that we may firmly believe and be convinced that we really do have peace with our God through our union with Jesus Christ. We take in the bread. We take in the wine. We become united with His body and blood. When I hold up to before you this morning the cup of thanksgiving, the sacrament of the blood of Christ, then do like the angels and pause and look at that symbolic blood and wonder and remember what it has accomplished for you personally. The Ark of the Covenant has been surpassed by the meal of the New Covenant in which our access to God is more open and free than it's ever been. It's also more intimate than it's ever been. Because you belong to Jesus Christ by faith, you and I, we're no enemy of God. You're no stranger to God. You are God's friend. And He's got a meal laid out for you by which He wants to pick up your spirits, to strengthen your trust in Him, to refresh you in His grace. This meal is His gift to us. 
So, beloved, leave, leave your sins. Leave them at the atonement cover, the cross, and come now, be guests at His supper. Enjoy His company in peace, everlasting peace. Amen.